Hey, it's Lisa for Tally Me Money and Mold. It's snowing here in the Northeast. I grew up in a really snowy part of the country where snow was just a, an ordinary part of the winter. It was in, you know, schools really didn't close. And yes, I used to walk to school. I'm that old. Um, not during the snow time, but anyway. So today, Me Money and Mold is going to be about, um, it's going to be about uh, money. Yeah, money. Since I was a trader for 11 years, I was a broker before that, I was in insurance before that. Um, why did I become a trader? I became a trader because they, they, the people in the industry, wouldn't let me do what I really wanted to do. And if you've been in the industry, you know that I'm telling the truth. Um, and I uh, did a tweet today that they, they eat their young, they do. Um, you know, they have the uh, chosen few. And then the rest of us are just, uh, as, you're, as the payout got less and less, and as more and more people began to think that they could do what um, their advisor could do, and probably right, rightly so, they probably could. Investing isn't uh, rocket science, but the, the industry certainly wants you to believe it is. And what I learned was that what rich people do with their money isn't any different than what the rest of us can do with our money it's just they look at it totally different Um, they you know investing is investing for them it's not Las Vegas and um, it and when you are a trader it's not what people think you don't sit down at a computers and push buttons all day and money comes out of your computers that doesn't happen Um, you know you do a lot of research you study a lot you spend a lot of time with other people who teach you a lot of different things, at least I did. I uh, studied with two, uh, a commodity trader. Not personally, it was uh, through his company. I was in a futures room all the time. So I got to see what the market was doing before the market opened and I understood what was happening long before other people probably did. And um, I, I understood the intricacies of the markets, the different markets. And um, I miss it. I stopped trading because I got sick. That's hence the me money and mold. There was mold in my black in my office, black mold in my office. So, um, which is gone, thank goodness. And um, you know, when I was in the thick of that, didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't, didn't feel like I, I was depressed. I couldn't put a sen- sentence together. I couldn't think straight. I'd been sitting in front of six. Um, monitors for for years um, next to a big um, CPU I think that's what it's called an old um, Dell computer and then my laptops and many monitors and um, anyway coming out of that I realized how resilient we are as people that you just keep um, striving to feel better to do better and uh, all of that led me many years, four or five years after that, I guess four years after that, it led me to the uh, me part of the me money and mold, discovering the course, the two classes that we teach, um, the infinite possibilities and the playing the matrix, which is, uh, it's the matrix is a euphemism for life. And um, it is your life. And the premise behind all of Mike Dooley's, those are his books, behind all of his works, and the premise behind many like that, 
like that type of uh, book and course, personal development, although his is very different in my, in my view. It's more of a celebration of life rather than um, that there's something wrong with you and you have to do such and such to do such and such to get somewhere, to get somewhere where you're happier, where you're more fulfilled, where you're making more money, where you're, you know, you're uh, healthier and all of that. You're probably already there. You're probably, you've probably already done all those things. It's just you keep listening, like I did. You keep listening to all those other people out there that are telling you something is amiss and that you have to do something else in order to do something else and so on and so forth. And I used to say it all the time. I didn't really know what I meant by it, but everybody is projecting and you are. Your life is your creation. And somebody told me that, said that to me when I was really sick and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't want to hear that at all. Like why on earth would I do this to myself, feeling like I did. I mean, there are times when I didn't think I was gonna be here. I was afraid to go to sleep at night, no lie. I mean, I wouldn't wish on anybody ever what I felt like I was going through, what I went through. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, ever. And that's what the, in the me, money, and mold part, when we talk about, when I talk about mold, I talk to, about the, talk to the people that helped me out and I've not talked about the people that led me down a path that was scary shit. It was scary stuff, scary science, really scary. Yeah, you don't have to do that. In my experience, you don't have to do that. You really don't. You don't have to go down that path. You don't have to feel like you're not gonna be here. You don't have to do any of those things to feel better physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, all those things. You don't have to do that. After 11 years of trade, being a trader, I studied all kinds of things. Candlesticks, uh, Elliott waves. Um, I mean, I can't even remember. I did a lot of option trading, a lot of option trading. Theta, Vega, whatever it's called. I, I forget all of that. I haven't traded in about four years. And, and yes, I do miss, miss it. Um, I still watch what's going on and I still do the research, but I don't trade. I position traded, I didn't day trade. Day trading is for when there's volatility and lots of participation in the market. You need participation. The amount of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, individual stocks <clears throat> that have are listed on the exchanges has decreased tremendously. So I wouldn't be trading now anyway. I'd still be position trading, um, <clears throat> which I will. I'm going to be. I'm going to start doing very soon. Once I move an account back to me, which I took it away from uh, the person that had it, I could, was watching what they were doing, and I totally disagreed with it. I actually, I would say that also because this podcast is about money. If you have money in the market and you haven't asked questions of the person and people that have it, shame on you. 
is you get what you pay for. Ask the questions. How much is this costing? What is your exit strategy? When you put a when they put a position on, they, they should have an exit strategy. They should have contingency plans for the in the event of a crisis, in the event that the market corrects, in the event that 2008 happens all over again. Supposedly now it's going to be worse than 2008. 2008 was pretty bad. I knew of people that killed themselves in 2008, walked in front of trains in Chicago because they lost a lot of money for the firm that they traded for and couldn't deal with it and figured that was the only way out, I guess. Tragedies that, that a lot of people don't know of. The people that put their life on the line and their, and their assets on the line every day are traders who go into virtual pits or, or physical trading pits, like in Chicago. Uh, those people are, are dwindling because of the digital era that we live in, but they're still out there. You still need to hedge things. There's still people that do hedge things. Uh, companies that hedge things. They have to. So understanding that, you don't have to understand all that, but you should understand where your money is, what's an exit plan, does the person or people that had the money, do they have an exit plan? How are they on the same side of the equation, the same side of the trade as you? In other words, is it an algorithm that they've put your money in, like Let's say, is it in an ETF that um, moves because of an algorithm? And speaking of ETFs, do you know what they are and do you know how diluted it is? I said this in a tweet. ETFs are, are a derivative of a derivative of a derivative of a derivative. It's so far away from the original investment you're getting a fraction of it. That's why they're so cheap. Think about it. And a lot of them have only, a lot of them, there's so many ETFs out there, but there's a handful of very traded stocks that are in the ETFs. And I, I can't go into that right now, but there's a handful of stocks that are in a lot of ETFs. So in other words, what you think you're getting you're probably not getting what you think you're getting. It's the same. Th it's, it's I think it's very similar. You know, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to correct me, but in my educational or non-educational uh, opinion, from what I read and what I understood about the crisis of 2008, the CMOs, the collateralized mortgage obligations, I think that's what that stands for, were so removed 30 times removed from the original investment, that's what happened. When it's like revolving, like the musical chairs, when the last person, when the music stopped, the, 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 the dominoes fell. And we all know how they fell. A bad, in a big way. And everything that, that even, things that weren't even connected to a mortgage, I used to trade for a couple years. All I did was trade when the market allowed me to do it. All I did was trade Apple and Google with options. And I traded Apple, the stock. And I had positions in that when 2008 happened. And I thought, what do they have to do with mortgages? They're heavily, they're heavily uh, cash rich. They don't, you know, they, they have nothing to do with, with mortgages. 
and you don't realize it when you're in the market and somebody does a margin call people are looking to cover their margin they're looking for cash and big institutions and people were doing redemptions so you were in the downward spiral whether you it research um protection like putting on um uh calls like selling calls against a long position none of that worked none of it the only thing that worked probably was buying puts i mean i didn't do any of that at the time i was in shell shock when it began as i'd never i i knew of the 87 crash i i was around during we lost my husband and i lost a ton of money the, we had given an, a, a large account to a broker and he lost us a ton of money over about a half a million bucks no remorse no no remorse no excuse no gee i'm sorry i mean the the pat answer we got which was what what a lot of people got that's the market oh gee thanks and i paid you for that wow so after that i vow that that's never going to happen to me again and it didn't during 2008 at least i got out of the way i didn't have the fourth the the thought the fourth thought to if that's if there's such a word i didn't have the the thought to actually i did but i was i was shell shocked um i'd never seen anything like it and i remember when the bottom was called i remember it it distinct i remember it like it was yesterday i think it was march 9th 2009 i believe i was still in my i was in my office uh listening to the moderator in the futures room and the person that owned that company called it and i remember looking at stocks that were 2 and $3 major stocks like dow chemical i uh, you know i think it was $2 and i knew it was the buying opportunity of a lifetime but i couldn't bring myself to to push the button to buy anything i couldn't do it but i believe this is me personally i believe we're looking somewhere down the road at another crisis and they're all talking about it how overextended the market is i have a we have a lot of cash on hand right now and hey listen i'm not saying do any of this this is what i'm going to do and i'm doing but i believe that's what's happening and then the other side of the coin i read all this research about this is the best time to be alive all the all the new advances that's true it really is all the medical advances of the bio biotech advances the technology advances um i read about all this stuff you know blockchain blockchain's not going away i am definitely investing in blockchain blockchain's not going away a lot of the biotechs aren't going in the way but you have to know how to invest in that you have to have a perspective that's longer than even a couple years I, I invested in things and took my profits too too fast. But I did a lot of research on my own, a lot, a lot of times. And um I mean I I I did well. But I also I mean there were also times when I I paid my tuition to the market and much more than most people. Talking to other traders, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you have a day where you lose uh, $11,000 in um 4 seconds 
you know, you know, and you've done all the research that you could possibly do and you've done all your due diligence, but somebody says something and it's a large investment firm. They say something they're, you know, when you have options on, believe it or not, it's like an, you're, you're, and I've asked this question and never got a straight answer. The positions are like an open book. They can see. They, when, when options expire, they call it pinning, a pinning action. They, meaning floor traders, people who trade options, that, who, who trade for a living for firms, they can see what's going on. They can see the amount of contracts on, one, on either side of the market. They can see that. And they know that most people, most retail investors, you and I are called retail. The average citizen is called a retail investor. Probably a lot of people know that. They can see that. So a lot of times they'll go after your position just for the heck of it. I remember a trade desk calling me. I had a, a, a real estate company and I had sold, I don't know how many positions, how many contracts I had. I think I only had a couple hundred shares of this. So I had two contracts that I'd sold against it. And I forget what happened, but I, I ended up being naked the the stop the uh, contract and it was in an IRA you can't be naked at least now you can't meaning you can't have a long position that is covers your short option you, I mean you can't be without a long position that covers your short option in um, in an IRA unless the, the laws have changed I mean it's been about four years since I've traded in an IRA or in a cash account but nevertheless, the, um, they were close to expiring, so they were close to being worthless. And they were worth about 120 bucks. So I'd had them for a while. I probably went out and bought the, uh, a yearly, like a 12-month or 24-month contract. I don't remember. But nevertheless, they were worth about 120 bucks. And I got a call from a trade desk that I was flagged by the SEC. Securities and Exchange Commission. I remember what I said to the guy. Are you kidding? Me? Flagged? He said, yeah, listen, don't, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, you know, I got to make these calls. I'm just telling you, you know, you, you got to do something. You either buy the stock or close out the position of your options. So, of course, I closed out the position. I bought it back. And I, I thought, man, are you kidding? This is $120. I'm naked because... Somebody took my stock. I forget that that had to be what it was. I was this. I was. I forget how you uh, how this works. I forget the terminology. My stock was taken away from me, and um, and I, I I forget the circumstance of that. But ne- nevertheless, I was not naked this option, and couldn't be. And when the guy called me and I said, "Are you kidding?" All I could think of was, "How did Madoff get away with what he got away with?" For the years that he got away with it and others like him and you're calling me little me with my my uh little position my little position here and the sec flagged me the only thing you can think of when that happens as the little guy this 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 is a rigged game it really is i mean you can't my my opinion i can't i have nothing to substantiate this my opinion 
they, 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 whoever they is, go after the little guy. So what are you to do? I don't know. Thank God it was a small position and, uh, and I'd already made money in the position and I didn't care if they took the stock. I just closed it out. But I can see how people think it's a rigged game. I'm not saying that it's a rigged game at all. I'm, I've won. I made more money than I lost. I learned more than I could ever imagine. I had more fun doing what I, what I did. I, I loved doing it. I was definitely obsessed because I loved the market. Why did I love the market? I said this all the time. I love the market because it's forward thinking and life affirming or life affirming and forward thinking. In other words, I used to be, I worked in mental health before I got into finance and I did not like it because I didn't believe in half of the things that people were doing in that. I believed in the power of the human spirit and I still do. And being involved in the market was fun. It was exciting. It was, it was a ride. I mean, and even when it didn't work out, and there are a lot of times I, I, I'd stand outside in, in my, of my home and um, I, I took up smoking again at certain parts of this um, 11 years just as a release, what I used to really, what I did a lot more than smoke. I mean, it didn't last very long. I think a month. I, um, I used to go running a lot after the market closed, mainly because I sat there and I was obsessed and I had to blow off steam. You know, so I, I, I needed to get out of my office and go and, and it, it released the energy that I had pent up in me because I definitely was uh, I mean, obsessed. And it was fun. And I used, to, I used to feel for other people who didn't share my enthusiasm for investing and for trading. A lot of people in the industry had no idea what I did. They just looked at me as suspect. They thought it was a joke. Mostly they, I'm talking they, mostly guys. Like, that's one thing I loved about the market. They didn't, market doesn't care if you're a woman or a man, if you're green, yellow, orange, if you're old or young. It doesn't care. It doesn't know any of that. It doesn't know who you are. When you, when you press the button or when you put a position on or when you buy something, it's all on you. Win or lose, it's all on you. I like those odds. And that's why I could never understand why people weren't investing and weren't interested in what the market has, has to offer. I mean, I don't think business schools teach this. You don't have to have an MBA to trade stocks. You don't need an MBA to invest in anything. You don't even need a business degree. You need to do your, you need to do your own research. You need to invest in things that you understand you could start there you can invest in stocks that you already give money to like a utility if you're a woman listening to this you could invest in one of the largest cosmetic companies in the world i believe estee lauder 
they what I was uh, what I believe used to believe is that they owned 80% of the cosmetic market or the counter that's probably higher I don't know but it's a stock it's a publicly traded company you can buy stock in Estee Lauder you could start there so there's many ways to be involved in supplementing your income for your future and in my experience you do not need a financial advisor to do that unless they're on the same side of the equation as you are they generally have no idea and the one excuse that the, everybody uses is that compliance won't allow them to invest. I remember when I had to divest some positions, I told compliance they were nuts. I I was going to go back into the I got licensed again in 2008 as a broker. Was going to be working with an old partner and that didn't work out. But my E&O insurance and the works did it all. Spent a, too much money doing all of that getting my 7 and 65 and whatever else I had to get. And then just parked them and they expired in 2 years. So but I remember when all that happened, they said I had to divest my positions and I said there's no way that little me is going to move this market. But um I always thought that I would want somebody if I was going to give my money to someone to do something with to invest that I wanted them to have a vested interest in what what they were doing. In other words, I wanted them in the boat with me. If the market crashes, I want you and and you're investing in such and such for me and you're looking the other way when it crashes, I want you to go down with the ship also. Right? Same thing. When 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 you pick a winner, you should you should reap the benefits and not in my account. Not necessarily just in my account. You should reap the benefits for yourself. A lot of advisors don't don't do well because they they believe all that bullshit that compliance tells them. Compliance is is compliance isn't your friend and it's not their friend. I mean, think about it. Compliance flagged me $120. What they do with Madoff? Where was the SEC when he was stealing money from all kinds of people? The Ponzi scheme. Where 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 were they? So anyway, long podcast today. Yes. I uh was in a meeting last night and um got all hyped up with uh another a company that we're involved with. And um somebody doing the right thing by talking about the sacred cow in the in the room. You know, um there's a lot of sacred cows industries that people don't want to talk about because why would they want to talk about it they make money from it but they they don't um it's not a it's not a democratic society in that respect with those industries and it it really is it's just that you need to you need to hear the truth and i used to say that when i was a broker people don't want to hear the truth cuz I used to say to people you know you can do this yourself. No. No, no, no. I really, you know, I want you to blow smoke. No, I want you to tell me something that's not true. Oh. Is that what you want me to do? You want me to lie to you? Well, I can't do that. 
I can't do that. But hey, that's what all the pretty boys did then in their mid-90s, early 90s when I first became a broker. Pretty boys. You know, those big wirehouses, they go to fancy schools and recruit pretty boys. No, no lie. That is the truth. Pretty boys from fancy schools that parents probably got money. You know, looks have a lot to do with. I mean, women, women and men would rather deal with pretty people, I guess. I don't know. It shouldn't matter. What only sh- what should matter is that if they know what the heck they're doing. Most of them don't. In my experience, again, so listen, if you're out there and you're a financial advisor or you're whatever you call yourselves nowadays, whatever the industry is telling you to call yourself. I remember being at a networking event about a year and a half ago and there was a woman there and she was from a large company, which she'll remain nameless. And we started talking and, and I asked her, she asked me what I did and I told her and I knew where she was from. And I said, so how's the market? She said, oh, we don't watch the market. We, you know, we don't watch the market. Yeah, we, we don't do that. I had many of them tell me that. We don't, we don't watch the market. <laughs> like, and then I had people say to me something like, um, what do you think of what's going on in the market? What do you think of Brexit? What do you think of this? Because they knew what I had done. And I remember that there was fear in their voice and fear in their eyes, like, Thank God, I I felt for their clients, meaning they didn't have an exit plan. They didn't know what to do. When the crap hits the fan, they had no idea what to do. I also had another young punk, I would call them, tell me that his whole book was based on people having left advisors in 08 He had 750 accounts. He was with a wirehouse. He was young. He came from another wirehouse. And I remember thinking, there's no way. There's no way all those people are going to get out of the way when the shit hits the fan the next time around. There's no way. This guy's he's gloating because he's got this many accounts. And he thinks, he thinks, I could see it and it was bravado. He thinks that what has happened over the nine years, he's had a lot to do with. Everybody is a genius in a bull market. The real geniuses are the ones who can plan, get out of the way, take their profits, set money aside for that time, and it happens, for that time when bad things do happen to the market. And they, they, they've, there's many of them. Research it. Read some history. You should always have some cash on hand. That's what I think. Cash is a position, believe it or not. Yep. Except, of course, in 2008 when money markets were, were tanking because they were connected to the banks that were taking, right? Uh, yeah. I remember having a lot of people yell at me in 2008. Not that I had their accounts, but I think they thought that I should have said something or that I knew something I didn't. And um, they were angry with my, uh, my comments and my, my, the, that I got, I got out of the, we got out of the way. I mean, we didn't lose much. We lost about 80,000 in, in a large account 
in, in about a minute. And that was enough for me. I, I went to cash immediately. I was actually in a seminar in Florida, in an options seminar, um, with a floor trader who was running the seminar. And he started talking about what was going on in the market. And I called an old friend of mine who I worked with and said, what's going on? And I remember that the, the amount, the stock that we lost the money on was a company that was believed taken over by uh, the Russian government. Yep. I, it, 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 which, which made me stay clear of ADRs from that point on. I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm not investing in any company that's in a country where I don't understand the government. That was a lesson. Cost 80 grand. <laughs> I, and it wasn't funny then. Uh, this was in a retirement account of my husband's. Yeah. So, so I was smart enough to listen to the advisor advice of the guy that run, was running the the um, seminar. He told all, all of us, "You got stuff in the market, go to cash." So I left. I went on my laptop when I, I I think I I did it when I got home, which was like the next day. This was towards the end of that day. I did it when I got home. And. All the stuff I had ever learned about diversification and don't do this and don't do all the stuff that they teach you in the industry. The advisors say, you know, never do that. You can't time them or all that stuff. I, I went against all of that. I'm listening to this floor trader. He was a market maker and a floor trader. And I was like, I think he knows more. I'm going to do what he says. And I did. Thank God I did. So um, it does take guts to do that also because it goes against everything that you've ever been taught not to do it. It's like you're, you feel like you're, you're the one who's crying fire in the theater, but you have to save yourself. Like, hey, I'm not going down with this ship. I'm taking my marbles and I'm gonna go play somewhere else or I'm just gonna sit on the sideline. Yep. So, it's gonna be happening again, I believe. And if I were, if I were anybody out there listening, I, I mean, just you know, watch some of the people that have listen to some of the people that have been in the market for 40, 50 years, the old people, old, the old guys. Yep, mostly men, the old guys. There's some women out there that are running companies, large companies. Um, they're not going to tell you to get out of the market, though. No one's going to tell you to get out of the market. It's financial suicide for them. You can still park it in cash. So, yep. So anyway, long-winded. That's it for today. Uh, I hope you got something out of that. You can always go to uh, shoot me an email. It's WQ, which stands for Wizard Queen, dot free the wizard. Uh, at gmail.com. My website is freethewizard.com. Free the Wizard is all about um, freeing people of their perceived limitations in life. You have none. That's what I, that's the, the programs that I teach, Infinite Possibilities and, and uh, Playing the Matrix, that's what they're about. That's what it is. You become, 
Thoughts become things. Choose the good ones. That's a quote from Mike Dooley. And with that, I'll say goodbye. See you next time. Thank you.